When we examine the trajectory of this week for Jesus, it's obviously filled with incredible highs and then lows and then highs again. He comes into Jerusalem. Uh, Of course, he's been teaching in the, the entire region, the entire country for some three years. And he's gained quite a following. He's gained quite a bit of favor. The people really want to see him. So he comes into Jerusalem riding a donkey and uh, with great fanfare. Palms are being thrown at, at his feet so that he may walk, you know, or the donkey may walk on the, on the palms, etc. A sign of great respect and admiration. So he comes into Jerusalem with great fanfare. Incredibly popular. And as he continues his stay in Jerusalem for that week, he continues to teach. But we know that for three years, he had also been making enemies of largely the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, the chief priests, the scribes. They saw him as a tremendous problem because they believed that he was, he was actually teaching people erroneously, not just about himself, but about the faith, their Judea, Judaism. And so initially, they they were watching him cautiously, making sure he didn't veer too far. But then as his teaching went on further and further and further, they just couldn't, couldn't take it anymore. They knew or they believed that they had to be rid of him, that they had to kill him. And how does this happen? Well, in a week, after all the fanfare and then getting to that point, well, it's kind of, it's kind of what like Rene Girard would call mimetic imitation or mimetic, I'm sorry, mimetic snowballing. And what this is, is just snowballing by, by imitation of each other's feelings. So in other words, you know, I've got a problem with you. Don't you have a problem with her too? Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. You're right. Don't you have a problem with her too? Yeah, I, I got a problem with her. And you do that long enough and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that person's a problem. Let's kill them. I mean, that's basically what happens. Now, it happens in the micro. It happens within, you know, little groups, like even at, you know, in school. And, and you'll, you'll see it in those things. You'll see it at work. You'll see it at any number of places where a person becomes sort of the focus of everyone else's problems. It's called mimetic snowballing, imitating each other's, you know, being upset. So this continues throughout the week and everybody gets to the point or a lot of people get to the point where they're like, yeah, you know, this, this Jesus is a problem. We need to be, be, do away with him. Now, of course, the, the ethical situation for the, the Pharisees is that they believe that it's okay to do evil to bring about good. And this is, of course, is completely against Judeo-Christian values and ethics. Romans itself says you cannot do evil to bring about good. If we do evil, the entire act is evil. We can't say, well, you know, I have this good result that I want to attain, so I'm going to allow this evil to bring it about. Can't do it. The whole thing's evil. The whole thing is sinful. And of course, the the greater the gravity of the act, the greater the gravity of the sin. And in this case, the gravity was huge. It meant the actual condemnation and killing of God. So imagine Jesus then, after, you know, early in the week, having all of this. I mean, he knew this was coming, so it wasn't surprising. But still, what it would feel like for all of your people who had been so close to you, who had seemingly, you know, held you in such high esteem, with only 
within a few days, they're completely rejecting you. You're feeling that rejection. And that's even before the blows and the torture begins. And then that begins too. And the Lord is not only feeling this rejection from the very people that he became man to save, now he's feeling the pain of it, the physical pain of this. And just because he's God, and he is fully man as well, but just because he's God doesn't mean he doesn't feel it. He does feel it. He feels all of it, just like we feel all of it. And so the torture, the physical pain. And then we get to his crucifixion and he's on the cross. We didn't hear it in today's gospel, but he quotes Psalm 22, which we sang together as our psalm today. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? So not only did Jesus have you know, this emotional suffering, this physical suffering, but he had a kind of existential suffering as well. Because from all of eternity, the Father and Son have existed in perfect union, perfect union with each other. There was never a time when the Son did not feel his Father's presence. And now even that was cut off from him. Even the sense, the reality that God existed, the Father existed, was cut off from him. How many times have we felt that? God, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you abandoned me in my time of need? Why are you not being God like you're supposed to be God? Where did you go? All of us have probably felt that. Where is God? And Jesus felt it too. He felt everything. Many people will say that this act of the father sending his son to come into the world and then die for us is God's way of taking responsibility. Yes, it's true that he's not responsible for our individual sins, but responsible in so far as he's the one who started it. He's the one who created. He's the one who gave us free will, which was misused. And so he does not leave us orphaned, you know, figure it out on your own because he knows we can't. He knows we can't redeem ourselves. And so he does it for us. He does what we cannot do because of his great love for us. We see on the cross the, the two thieves, right? And one thief, thief just wants to get off the hook. So he just wants to use God's power for his benefit. The other one recognizes that the Lord is innocent and also recognizes that he is God. And so he asked the Lord to save him. And even at that late hour, even in the midst of our Lord's sufferings, imagine the agony that he was experiencing. He still had enough desire to tell that man next to him, you will be saved. Our Lord never tires of forgiving. Now, how many times will he forgive me? As many times as we ask. Really, it never runs out. It never runs out. Ever? It never runs out. How many times? As many times as you ask. Father, are you trying to make a point? Yes, I am. <laughs> the depth of God's love for us is infinite. 
And as we enter this Holy Week, let us be so grateful for his action on the cross, his saving us. And let us be so grateful that he never leaves us, he never departs from us, and he always will bring us back to himself. Please stand.